It's a lovely day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Well, hello, neighbor. That's a reflection back to my days as a young fellow, listening to Mr. Rogers and watching him on Channel 13, the public broadcasting station in Pittsburgh. That is ancient history now, but I am very thankful <clears throat> that we uh, have this opportunity to be together as a Saints family. And I welcome you today to this broadcast. I'm flying solo today. My chit-chat partner, Monica, is traveling with uh, Les and Olivia, and they are out west visiting with their son and daughter-in-law. That's probably TMI, but many of you knew that already. I just wanted you to know she didn't sign a contract with some more flashy ministry. Um, we'll miss her today, but it's just us kids. And I hope that you have uh, great plans in store for this week in the Lord. I know that Everybody has a different family scenario. Uh, sometimes I talk about getting together with family, and I recognize that there are some people who are just by themselves, or maybe there's just the two of you. Um, I don't mean to make anybody feel that they're uh, being... Uh, uh, single out as a as a lesser person, it's just that um, we have we have whatever that is that the Lord has given us, and I pray that whatever your familial scenario is, that God will be near and that you'll be blessed this week. Tomorrow morning, I will do my very best to have uh, Wednesday night live out early. It's a significant teaching that I'm going to be bringing. I believe that it is a rhema for us for this week. And um, I, I'm always so grateful for the Word of God. It is alive, and it, it breathes new insights continuously. And I, I just... I'm so grateful to the Lord. It, it, it does make me think about those who discredit the word and the validity of the word and the accuracy of the word. Or, and they, they're putting their, their own soul at risk by doing that, mind you. But we know that it is the living word. It's not some dead, cold set of laws. It's, it's alive and it breathes insights by the Spirit to us and I love the Word of God, and today, early this morning, I had a, a, a vivid dream. I'll tell you about it here in a moment. And then when I, when I got up and um, went into the front room for my morning time of meditation pre-dawn, I started studying about what we're going to share tomorrow, and I, I knew that God was giving a directive to us. So whatever you're doing tomorrow, I don't know what time it'll be done. I mean, I it's not like a service time um, where you can say, okay, at this time we're in a broadcast. That's the beauty of our Wednesday Night Live format now because it posts, Scott puts it up. You can listen to it at any time. You can listen to it at double speed if you want to. That's usually the way I listen to broadcasts. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that you can hear the same thing. You're not skimming over stuff, uh, but you can save some time so that you can waste it in other ways. <laughs> but we'll we'll get it out early tomorrow. So whether you're going to be cooking or driving around or whatever you're doing, you can access that and listen to it because it's going to be directives for us for this week. And, and as I said on this past Sunday, 
God is positioning us for this breakthrough. We have, um, we have the, the wonderful responsibility of knowing that God is bringing promotion to all of us, and he is also preparing the field of harvest and those who will be the indigenous representatives of that harvest in the nations. We talked about this on Sunday, and we're going to be entering into a season of many types of fasts as directed by the Spirit. Um, We have to do this because it's something that is a principle of the Lord. You see, again, just to touch on this for a bit, when I was a kid growing up in the church, in a Pentecostal church, Fasting was a strange topic for us. We only fasted when there was trouble or when somebody was in need in a big way. And um, fasting was viewed as a break in, in case of emergency kind of thing. It was really not taught openly as something you did as unto the Lord in a tactical way. Now, maybe there was some hermit somewhere or some general of intercession who was teaching deeper principles, but for the general church environment, fasting was what you did when you didn't think God was listening to the other ways you were praying. That's just the way it is. I remember the the bulletin would go out. There's this terrible need. We're asking everybody to fast. It's kind of like a prayer chain on steroids. Now, I'm not mocking it. Well, maybe in a little way I am. But it was due to ignorance. It was sincere. I'm not saying God didn't honor things, but we were misusing. Um, we, were, we were not really um, applying principles. Fasting is something that we employ or should employ proactively. And we should do so from the standpoint of submitting ourselves to God, making ourselves open and vulnerable before him, displaying our willingness to become meek, laying our strengths out, and um, doing this before the Lord at his directive, because he calls the fast. And um, to really believe that in some ways it is an offering that is the doorstep into a directed point of fellowship and partnership with God beyond what you've known. That was a long sentence. But We're going to be fasting as we come into this new year. I've talked a lot about South America. We are fully engaged with our allies in other parts of the world. It's almost like having a new baby. I've I've watched this in uh, Kelly and Fabian's household because there's Levi and there's Megan and Allie. And they're 10 years old now or as they point out to me, ten and a half years old. We're actually more than that now. And Levi gets a lot of the attention because he's a baby. Now some people, some kids in the household don't know how to handle that and they turn into rebellion. But this, uh, this scenario in our household has worked out wonderfully. We still have great fellowship with the girls had a fun time with them yesterday. They were up in my office through a good portion of the afternoon, and it's just, you know, I was working at my desk, and the setup over on the other side of my office was really uh, just something that 10-year-old girls would enjoy. Uh, so they've, they've, not, they've not lacked attention. But the thing is, though, that a lot of people don't know how to handle a new baby. And so we're talking about this this push into a divinely appointed 
field of operation, but that doesn't mean we don't care for Europe. That doesn't mean we don't care for Africa or even what God wants to do in here in our country or anywhere in Central America and Mexico or um, India's kind of a strange scenario for us now. God knows we invested heavily there. The seeds are in the ground. I mean, I don't talk about India a lot, but I don't know how many pastors and schools heard the full complement of 80 hours of video teaching from the initial saint school. Now, some of you are going to hear that. Your ears are going to perk up. Where can I see that? That it's, it's dated now. I don't even like to look at some of those because we've changed since then in our physical appearances. And even though there are foundational elemental principles there, we've moved on from that. We've built upon that. So um, don't ask me where they are <laughs> because I'm not sure I want to resurrect things from 20 years ago. It's not golden oldies. But that has been sewn in, and it's still there. The government came against uh, our efforts to go into the continent. and um, But the people there, the pastors there, the churches and the schools there are recipients. I could say the same thing about South Africa. You know, we traveled in many, many places in South Africa, and we had invitations to go into Cape Town and to some other locations in South Africa, but God just kind of shut the door. But we sowed. I learned a lot of things about South Africa when I was there. You know, apartheid is what most people hear. But there is a, there's a unique atmosphere in South Africa, and it's kind of a backlash thing. I won't go into all the details, but the point is that we ministered to lots of different countries. Whatever we were doing there in that week of time, we were in South Africa in Joburg. Um, and then we traveled to the capital, Pretoria. We, we, we did a lot of things there. But we ministered to pastors. We ministered to um, teachers in colleges. And we sowed the seeds of the saints, and then we were out. I don't know what God does with those kinds of things. I don't know what he does when he shuts the door. Seed is there. But I know what's open now, and I know what's coming for this next year to a large degree and we're going to need to we're going to need to engage in fasting as a preparatory thing as an offering before the Lord, to get ourselves ready from a number of different standpoints. I was jotting down various aspects of how we needed to have intercession and how, how we needed to be to dedicating ourselves to the Lord for certain purposes. It's a very tactical thing that God is bringing us into. So we just need to get ready for that. But this week is a week of Thanksgiving, and I do again encourage you to be a part of the teaching tomorrow, and once it gets posted, it'll probably be mid-morning here in Dallas, but you've got the entire rest of the day, and even then Thursday, but don't wait too long on it because I, I truly believe this is not only uh, a point of great insight from the scripture, but it's a rhema for us. And God is instructing us as to what he wants during this time frame. So let's, let's be faithful to do that. Um, again, it should be mid-morning the only thing that dictates that is whatever time I get over here to record it, and then when Scott has the avenue to, to put it up on uh, 
online. God may be speaking to me a lot in the morning. There may be a prayer time. I'm not going to say, oh, Lord, you know, I, I told the people I was going to get up there and broadcast early, you know, so just stop talking to me. I'm not going to do that. But as it stands now, I think that it should easily be up by mid-morning Dallas time. So enough said on that, to borrow a phrase from Marvel Comics. Last, uh, last night, I awoke at, I think it was like 4 o'clock. And I, I knew that I was in a, in a dream sequence. So I laid there and prayed for a little while. And um, then finally got up and went to the, to the kitchen, turned the coffee maker on, putzed around in there for a little bit. It's amazing what you find in the kitchen uh, when you get up in the morning. Um, some of you are so pristine, your kitchen is spick and span before you go to bed. Not so in most houses, definitely not in mine. And so I find something to do when the coffee's brewing, but as soon as it's ready, I go into the other room and sit there in the dark and pray and sometimes look at scripture. But during that time of prayer, after my first few sips of coffee, I started accessing the dream that was in full play when I, when I awakened. And I was doing my very best to allow my spirit to replay some of the segments before they dissipated into the ether of the spirit realm. You know that happens, don't you? Maybe not a dissipation in ether, but those dreams that you have, the natural mind and the things of life will scatter them away like the fragrance of a scented candle. I mean, it, it goes away uh, when you open the windows and start cooking or whatever else you may be doing. So that's why we say it's important for you to, especially with dreams, notate what it is that you've seen and try to be as specific as you can be for the details that are there. And then interpret them as the Spirit directs you. Now, we've taught on this so many times. But you want to apply the Nematicos principles from the Word to your interpretation, which is why it's important to know those. Um, you want to listen to the Spirit to uh, activate the Scripture into those interpretations. And... Um, you want to let the Spirit then speak as to why that dream sequence was given to you regarding your purpose. And as we've said so often, sometimes it's the entire day or a couple of days that that film, so to speak, develops over the course of time. And it's... Um, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to um, to really be a steward of that process. So this morning I was remembering what I had seen in the dream and I was reaching back into the dream and the Lord was allowing certain facets of it to be as it were replayed and at first, I thought, well, that's kind of a goofy dream I had. But then as I thought about the, whole, the entirety of the sequences, I recognized that God was showing me where I've been over these past couple of years 
and subsequently where the Saints Network has been in these past couple of years and what is coming. So this is not about me, this dream. I was the, the, one of the players in the dream. But I'm just going to tell you just details of it and speak about what I believe it says concerning where we are as a network. <clears throat> so the dream started where I was with a whole lot of people that had come into kind of like a staging area. It was kind of like a, an airport terminal or a, or a train station, but it, it wasn't that, but it had that feel to it. There were a lot of people there. I didn't know any of them. But it was, it was, uh, it's, um, uh, it, it was just a, an interesting feeling. And the problem was that I was frustrated. That's the way to begin a dream, isn't it? Because we weren't going anywhere. It was like our trip had been canceled. And that was frustrating. It was just frustrating. It wasn't due to any of our fault. We were ready to go. But we were, we were finished with whatever it is we'd planned to do. So the next part of the dream was that I, um, I stepped out of that place and I encountered a man that is very familiar to all of us uh, at, at this church, uh, a prophet from Christian International named Bill Lackey, who I haven't seen in years. You know, we had good fellowship. There wasn't a falling out or anything. But during the initial days, um, like the first year after we had been, um, like the first year we had been uh, involved in the transition God was doing in our church, we were able to come in contact with Christian International. And, and it was at that point then that we began to be part of their APTs, their prophetic training. And we hosted one of them here at our church. And uh, Bill and some other entities from that ministry, Steve Schultz, a lot of their team members, Bishop Hammond, um, they spoke into our lives and they, they really helped us to take the step from the general church into something beyond where we were. I think that's fair to say. We didn't embrace their ideologies. We learned from them. But it really set the stage, a twofold stage for us in that we were we were transitioning, and we needed a, a, a biblical voice to walk alongside us, kind of like a guide into really what would become the realm of prophetic interpretation and what it, what it meant for us as Pneumatikos people. These were not their terms. They became our terms from the Scripture. So I knew, I knew that in the dream, you know, you, things just happen. But I, but I knew in, in interpretation of this that this was significant because it indicated transition for us and going into some place that was new for us. So I was with Bill, and um, I knew that it was time for us to leave that point of, I don't want to say discouragement, but that point of, delay, and to go into something new. So I said to him, hey, let's, let's go to this place that's awaiting us in ministry, and you don't know any of these people, I said, but 
It'll be great to have you along, and I'll introduce you some folks that will bless you. So I'm driving the car. He's sitting beside me, and there are two very strong men, male figures, sitting in the back seat, which I knew at the time were angels. So we drive, and we make a turn, and we come into a place that had a huge um, kind of a building, uh, an auditorium. And I, I, Bill and I got out of the vehicle. I don't know what happened to the angels. But I came and I saw that the, the, the auditorium was packed. And I looked at Bill and I said, hey, before we go in there, once we go in there, I'm going to have to minister. I said, um, again, just take the time. I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but just take the time to view what's happening. And, you know, at some point during this day, um, if you have any prophetic insight that you want to minister, just let me know. But for now, just know that I'm going to go and do what I'm supposed to do, and you be ready. Well, the next thing I know the parking lot, this huge parking lot, is just filled with people who couldn't get into the auditorium. And there's a stage out there, and Bill has gone up to the platform, and he's at the piano, and he's playing some kind of prophetic song. And then he stands up, and he starts preaching to these people. I haven't gone into the auditorium yet. But he's preaching to the people, but he's really talking to me. And he's saying, like a prophecy to me, but I know it was to the network. And he said, you still don't know what the Father's really doing through you. He said, you are being called to a point of great authority, and you're already in it. You just don't realize it yet. And it's because of your desire not to overstep the bounds of what God wants from you, and that's humility and meekness, but the Lord says that there is great authority and you need to be prepare yourself to know how to use it, but you got to use it. And he, he continued to go. I'm just standing there listening to this. And he's a long ways away from me, but I can hear him. And there's thousands of people out there in that parking lot. And he says, you know, what does a general in the army do? Does the general timidly sit by when he says things, people move. When he says things, things happen. He's not above counsel, but the desire of his dictates is accomplished without question. That's where God is calling you. Now, he's speaking to these thousands of people, but I know he was speaking to us. And I, I, I heard that term, and in the dream, I thought, you know, I heard these Christian groups talking about God's generals, and I blessed them. But it kind of made me feel weird to hear a term like that, because I thought that perhaps in some ways it became a, a trite phrase, and um, I kind of had an aversion to it. It's kind of like, Today, there are so many people who call themselves apostles. It's, it's the catchphrase now. And I, uh, I know we're doing an apostolic work. But I'd rather be representing the apostolic message and fulfilling the role of that than to necessarily be called by it. So I don't advertise myself as an apostle. 
I say we're doing an apostolic work, and I know it. I know it's a vital work for these end times. And an apostle brings a message and a directive that is new and fresh. Um, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be fireworks and uh, great excitement and all kinds of things because the first sign of an apostle is patience. And most of these folks that are taking on the moniker of an apostle, they, I, I know some of them. I encountered some of them on this last trip into Brazil. Their desire for patience is sorely lacking. So, and, and even bishop. Bishop is another biblical term. It just means to be a watchman over things. There are a lot of people who are called bishops, and I don't know what they're watching over. For them, it just is kind of like a title, and those raised in Pentecost have an aversion to that because it was Catholic or, you know, it was something that was not in our movement. But I say that in our movement or not, if it's in the Word, you better be ready for it. So the general part was kind of a strange thing. And I remember hearing that, and I thought, as I turned to look back into the auditorium and there was someone motioning me to come to the platform to begin whatever it was I was supposed to do, I thought, okay, I've got to go in there. I brought Bill. I didn't dream it up. That was a bad term. I didn't bring this. He was with me, and I knew he was supposed to be there. So I started to walk into the auditorium, then I woke up. And then one final thing that I remembered, um, I, I reached back into the dream and remembered that in that place, the initial place where we were in that staging area, that departure kind of a lounge area, there were two people there that were not good. One of them was threatening. And he said, you're not, none of you should go. And there was a big guy with him. And he had like a five-gallon jug of water. And he was pouring it on people's heads. And he was kind of, they were threatening, you don't need to go. And I thought, well, that's kind of a weird thing to hear at the very end of this dream sequence. So here's what I know it means. God was really telling us that we're, as his saints, we had a lot of plans that were ordered by the Lord. We were ready to go, and they were stopped. And then there was a lot of discouragement that the enemy tried to pour on us. Water, try to put out the fire or maybe a precursor as the enemy coming in one way to try to stop the water of the Spirit, to try to stop the rain and the river and the wells and the, and the pools. But then, prophetically, God says, okay, it's time. You need to obey the voice of the prophetic, the, the directive, the prophecy that is going before you from God. And you need to recognize that you have an established point of responsibility, the auditorium, but there are thousands more that are coming, and you need to begin to demonstrate the authority God has given you. You didn't seek for it. You didn't try to position yourself for it. But nevertheless, it's what God's ordained. So you need to recognize the power of it and be willing to use it. Things will happen. So I know that's where we are, the Saints Network. This was a dream about me. Well, it came to me. So, But it, it really, as in so many other places, it indicates all of us, because that's who we are. And um, we've been restrained for reasons beyond our ability to, um, to dictate.
but we are we're going forth um, into a new day, which is why this fasting, which is going to be upon us, what we're going to be talking about tomorrow regarding thanks and peace um, is important. We're, we're positioned to minister in the places that we know, places where people are hungry for us to come after a long, long delayed absence. And, um, but there are many more that the spirit of prophecy is causing us to see that we have a responsibility for in the regions beyond, as it were, waiting for the message. And prophecy is preparing them. The spirit of prophecy, which is the martyria of Jesus, is preparing them. And they are hungrily waiting for it. But we need to recognize that a voice from the Spirit is telling us we need to recognize the power that God is laying uh, before us. And we need to display meekness in the application of it, but we need to apply it. And um, so, that was the dream. Totally unexpected. Which dreams are that way? And um, I, I just wanted to share that with you because, again, it's, it's really not about me. It's about where all of us are called to go. Now, one of the things that I'm asking you to pray about, I mentioned this last week and past couple of weeks, and I'm not going to go into great detail on this, but um, I think that we as, um, we as saints need to really be praying before the Lord. Wow, how else would you pray? We need to be praying that God will specifically direct us as to which theater in Sao Paulo we need to contract with. That's going on right now. Um, so we need favor. We need clarity. We're focused in on a specific place now, and I'm pretty sure it's what God wants. But we need the favor of the Lord and the timing of the Lord to get that locked in. And once it's locked in, then we can begin some other things in preparation. And if this is not the place, we need to know which place is. And we need to pray. So pray, please. But here's the point. At long last... We're mobilizing to go forward. It's important for you as veteran saints to lay yourselves before God in obedience and to submit yourself along with the rest of the saints for God to then, according to the laws of relationship, which are clearly spelled out in the Scripture, to give to you what he's offering, to make you ready. We need this. Uh, it's not about whether we're going or not. It's about being fully prepared and to have uh, all the resources that God wants us to be functioning in. So we need to be very careful to obey what it is that God is uh, requiring of us. 
So <laughs> that's that's where we are. <clears throat> it's so it's so funny to me because You know, I view something like what I just detailed to you. And there's just this, this absolute knowledge through the whole thing that even though I'm seeing this, it really isn't about me. It's so strange. Because some people, a lot of people that I've known, they come into church services and they say, you know, I'm being humble for the Lord, but it's all about them. They may say it's not about them, but it is about them. And if things don't go just the way that it doesn't matter what the final score is, it's how many points they've been able to put on the board and how much accolades they may, they may have gained for themselves. It's about their bulletin board material. And that's really sad, isn't it? It, it's just really sad. I, I, I'm not faulting people. Well, who, which people are these? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Is it me? Well, you know, the point, though, is, is that if we talk about us being humble before the Lord, it begins with who we are. Just ourselves and we can talk about humility all day long but if if we don't really be the servant of all what good is it um, God gives promotion to the humble grace to the humble we, we really have to be that so I'm going down a strange trail here. So the fasting time is coming. Fasting times are coming. Which is probably a good thing after we all pork out on Thanksgiving Day. Aren't you glad God didn't say, okay, I want you to fast on Thanksgiving. Not saying I wouldn't do it, Lord. We'd have some splaining to do at the table. And thankfully, God hasn't told us we're supposed to do that this week. But just know when you're chowing down on your pecan pie, or as they say in New York, the pecan pie, you know, as you're, as you're eating your turkey and your ham and drinking that fine coffee or whatever it is you may be ingesting uh, in your household, give thanks to the Lord for his blessing. But but be ready for a time of fasting. I, I think it's great, too, that the holiday season is, is often a, a dead time for the church. It's just party after party after party and this event and that event. And we used to say years ago, and this really wasn't a revelation, that Satan doesn't celebrate Christmas. He's active. It's kind of like the Germans in World War II in the Battle of the Bulge. You know, they attacked during a time where the Allies were just kind of laid back, never expecting where the attack would come. I'm not inviting an attack. But we're, we're going to, to know how to be full and hungry, and we're going to do our very best to hear the voice of the Spirit and be an active participant in his kingdom during a time where there are a lot of ways that we could be dumbed down. Yeah, we're going to enjoy the blessing of the Lord, but we're going to keep moving forward because we've, we, uh, we've got a lot of things ahead of us and we need to be ready. So it's exciting. I'm happy about that. God is good to us. And so um, I think that I'm about finished here. Um, I thank you for joining. I pray God's blessing to be upon all of you.
You know, it, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> you know, this, these are exciting times in my household, as it is in household of the sparrows. Um, our kids are getting married probably in May. I say, well, yeah, it will be in May. Um, so that's exciting. You know, there's a lot of work to do. I mean, every day in my house, into the night, there's activity going on about this. And I don't think it's going to get any less. So, you know, it would have been easy for, for two of them, two of the legacy churches of the Saints Network to say, oh, this is a royal wedding, you know, we'll just lay back and do nothing. You know, who would, who would expect us to not devote our full energies to what's coming? That's the way I've seen people in the church do. You know, well, God would not ask us to be going forward. Oh, heaven forbid. We, this is a once-in-a-lifetime. We've waited decades for this. Oh, and isn't it glorious? It's a blessing. But in the midst of it, God's saying, you got breakthrough ahead. You know, you've got, you've got to be fasting. You've got to be preparing. You, you've got to have trips between now and then in ministry. And just a few weeks after this, you've got this major crusade into South America. You're, you're going to have to get ready for that. And you're going to be prepared. And you're laying this all out. I just think it's interesting, and it's fully God, that we got this time of amazing blessing. But in the meantime, we're staged for the breakthrough that God has called us to. You know, I fully anticipate the seminar in March to be something that is beyond anything we've known. The way the Spirit is moving here in this house, in the realm, um, the way things are happening that we can see in the heavens, how could it be anything other than that in March? I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm also making plans for, you know, I know that a number of people from the network will come for this wedding. We'll have, we'll have almost a seminar full of people here. And so I'm saying, okay, Lord, what do you want from us on that weekend after the wedding? How do you want us to mobilize, to minister? It's not a time for Papa to kick back and say, oh, this is great. Well, it will be great. We've got a big, a big military engagement coming up just a couple weeks later in Brazil. So we've got to mobilize and we've got to utilize this gathering of saints in prayer and in fivefold pursuits. And in, you know, so in all of that, we're going to be celebrating. But at the same time, whoo, get ready. We've got a job to do. So you can do both. This is why the angel said to us a number of years ago on more than one occasions, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Your, your citizenship is in heaven. You need to function on many different levels at the same time. Not multitasking, tasking. It's, it's functioning in the spirit and in the natural. This is what God wants. We were made for that. So, I know that a lot of you have got a lot going on. Some of you are in the twilight years of your life. You're just blessed. Oh, I've served my time. Listen, live as long as you're alive, okay? Don't kick back. Who's going to fill your shoes? You just, just know that whatever's going on, you better not forget what God has called you to do. You'll answer. For every time the Spirit called for you, and you weren't willing to go. Uh, that sounds like a threat. It's not. But don't let the enemy convince you to 
not heed the call. In the scripture, God doesn't have a lot of use for people like that. You know, in the, in the book of Revelation, it warns against the timid. And timidity is just a, a byword for people that aren't willing to step into boldness at the behest of the Lord. So, whatever our points of blessing are, and, and see, this is a key principle because we've said many times over the years that success is often the death knell of the church, of movements. Because you become like the guy who says, I'm blessed, I'm rich, let me build bigger barns. And what does God say to him? You fool. Don't you know that your soul is going to be required of you. It's not a threat to the guy. It's just saying that you're blessed here, but life's going to be over before you know it. And boy, doesn't time fly. So don't ever get into that mentality that I've got it made, I'm just going to kick back now, and then give me a litany of reasons why you can't do what God's asking you to do. That's... That's malarkey, uh, and we, we can't have that. So the key to this walk as saints is to, knowing, to know how to be full and to be hungry. And, you know, I know other people got activities. I mentioned weddings. I know that the Mastons have a wedding coming up in April. I know that lots of other things are going on. Um, but the point, though, is, is that we can honor those things and still be at our posts. Do you know that? You know, one of the things I've learned, I said I was done about 10 minutes ago. One of the things I've learned in this business where I went to physical therapy. I learned a bunch of exercises, an exercise routine that I needed to do to strengthen myself. And it, thank God, was right on, was accurate, and it's been a blessing to me. That somehow I am able to do probably close to two hours of exercise every day. I don't do it all at once. Because I, you know, I do treadmill and then I do this regimen of exercises and different isometric things. But somehow, no matter what's going on, I do that every day. The kicker is doing it when you travel, but that's another thing. That's another solution I've got to fully arrive at. But, you know... You do what you have to do to stay strong and to be ready. And so many times in life, we, we engage in activities that totally rule out the things of the Spirit. We say, oh, I don't have time to pray, or nobody else in my house is praying. Well, I can tell you this. you got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Nobody else in my house gets up at four in the morning unless there's something wrong. And I don't fault them for that. I bless them. But I get up and I find a place to pray and to wait on the Lord. Nobody else in my house is praying. <laughs> Tough. You pray. Who's... Who are you going to answer before the Lord? The old-time preacher would preach about standing before God. Lord, you just don't understand. Uh, this person wasn't doing it, and that person wasn't doing it. you got to answer for yourself. And there are certain aspects of your life, personally, that you've got to do on a regular basis to be ready. And I, what are those things, Pastor? Well, pray in the Spirit every day. Proscuneo. Study the word. Stay current with the spiritual, the pneumatikos meat that God is giving us. 
You have no excuse. Every one of you totes around a phone. I can pull up the last 10 services that we had here or points of ministry, listen to them in a double and triple time, and I can do that. You have no excuse for not staying current. Oh, but, no, I don't want to hear. It's an old joke. The preacher said, everybody come up and lay your butts on the altar. You shouldn't have any butts. You should be fit and ready. Boy, I'm preaching now. So that's a personal thing. But then, as we've done that, we engage in what God's directing us to do as his army, as his sons. And then, as we've done that, we're ready to hear what the voice of the Spirit would say about where we're supposed to be going, what we're supposed to be doing, how we're supposed to be involved if we're invited to do this or asked to do this. And we should not be saying, why don't they ask me? You know, the best ability is availability. A man's gift brings him before kings, the Scripture says. You just serve the Lord. Don't get into that jealous competition game. God is with you. You know, it's funny how you say, well, Pastor, that's easy for you to say. You know, you're the one that's up in front of the, pul your, the pulpit or the microphone or whatever. Well, I've had to deal with this as well. You know, when, when God called us, I knew that my career that I had trained for was over. I knew that that political ladder that's in the denominations was totally gone. And also that not only was the ladder gone, they were throwing bits and pieces of it down on my head. It was the point of no return for my career and subsequently for my livelihood, for the family that I was responsible for, and for this church being cut off. Now, some of you don't care about that, but that's a point of ministry. That's a point of being humble and recognizing it doesn't matter whether anybody ever thinks of us. I've got to serve the Lord. And even now, what we're called to do, we're ministering to thousands. You know this. It's us. It's you and me. We're ministering to thousands of people every week. And there are nations and thousands upon thousands that we have a responsibility for. You drive past our church on a Sunday morning. You come into our sanctuary that's being live streamed. And there's a handful of hardened remnant saints, and I love them, and I appreciate it. But for all the world, it is a continual. <laughs> it's a continual dose of humility because it goes against everything that success in a church would indicate. And at the same time, we're surrounded by megachurches here in this city. In this city, major ministries, and they have their pull. And yet here we are. So you say, well, it's easy for you, Pastor. We're all taking a big spoonful of humility all the time. And it's before the Lord. I'm not saying, oh, woe is me. But we just wait for the doors to open. God said, I will make the appointments, and boy, has he. So it's important for us to be prepared personally, to be prepared corporately, and to be willing. Here am I, send me. All right, I really am done now. Happy Thanksgiving. Be blessed. Be expectant. We'll look forward to... Um, sharing the word together tomorrow but until uh, until then God bless and uh, I speak good things over you your households in this week thanks for joining
goodbye.